Welcome back to Issue Spotting, where three law students, Kelsey, Alyssa, and Jack, talk about film. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor.fm. Okay, so we're going to jump right in. Um, today, it's just me, Kelsey. And me, Jack. But we brought a special <laughs> guest, didn't we? Emily Turner! So, Emily, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Okay. Hi, my name is Emily. I'm also a 2L with Kelsey and Jack. Um, And they asked me if I'd be on their podcast to talk about documentaries. (laughs) Yes. So, spoiler alert. um, We're talking about documentaries today. Um, And I I think we're like pretty good people to talk about documentaries. We all really enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Um, What's interesting about Emily is that she actually enjoys documentaries more than movies and film. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would say I just, they're like what my natural inclination to watch is. Yeah. I don't know. They're just so, they're so different from movies Mm -hmm. that it's like, I don't know that I enjoy them more, but if I'm like sitting down with, like, on a Saturday night, ate dinner, and, like, okay, I'm going to watch Netflix tonight. I'll watch a documentary over a movie. That is interesting. And I think it's because I feel like they're more guaranteed to be good. At least the ones on Netflix. Like, this could be totally in a choice informed by streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. But I feel like documentaries are generally better than movies on Netflix. Or it's less work to find them, maybe, is a better way to say it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get that in a yeah. way of... I mean, there's so many movies on Netflix. Know, They're either yeah. great or they suck. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's such a huge gradient. But it is true that usually the documentaries on Netflix tend uh, to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's also less choice. So it's prop Like, one of the downfalls of Netflix sometimes is that there's so much choice. And, like, you're looking for a movie or show longer than you actually, like, are watching yeah. it sometimes. Which is how I end up on the documentary page. Because I'm like, I give up on these movies. <laughs> I haven't heard of any of them, so yeah. I'm not going to watch them. Yeah. And then I feel like from a documentary summary, you get more of a sense of what it's about. Because okay. it's like, you, un- you know what the, you know, mm-hmm. sea world is. Or you mm-hmm. know about... Donald's it's a documentary about it's more based in your own sort of experience I feel like you can sort of know more what it's going to be about yeah mm-hmm. okay well and I guess it's like a retelling of like a true story I mean I don't know how like whether you like fiction or nonfiction or the like the how realistic a project or a yeah. work is or you know yeah um I know that's why some people prefer them because yeah. they're real mm-hmm. and movies tend to not be real. They're usually based in reality, but not reality. Um, so, yeah. Why don't, yep. why don't we get started? Sure. Um, so, let's, we could talk about some of the films, yeah. documentaries that we've seen. Um, Jack, surprise, Emily and I watched Dear Zachary. <laughs> I knew Emily. I texted oh! Jack and told him I watched it. <laughs> she didn't, we, we didn't get in any big discussion. Yeah, we, did, yeah. Oh, we yeah. didn't talk about yeah. our opinions of it. Okay. So, yeah. So Dear Zachary Maybe. is the one that I brought up because I saw that a long time ago. My mom suggested it to me. I saw it a while ago. And I just remember the impact it had on me. And I rewatched it mm-hmm. last night in preparation too. So... It is Yeah, insane. there's a major spoiler if you haven't seen Dear Zachary. And you care to. It's actually worth watching because it's it plays out like a movie. 
right like mm-hmm. the action and the the the, the storyline is is actually worth getting invested in it's not just it's the retelling of events but the way it's retold is really impactful which i think i would just add when you're talking about like a little bit of the introductory part to documentaries is i think that one of the reasons i like documentaries is because they have both the narrative and story arc the good ones mm-hmm. still have a story arc and you still are invested in people's stories and get by, and they can be sort of become characters and if the storytelling is really good, but then it's also rooted in, it's true and it's rooted in reality. So like, I guess it has a bigger impact on mm-hmm. you and you, I also feel like, and this isn't why I watched it, but you are learning yeah. and like whether you're just learning, oh, this is how some people live or this is what the laws in Canada are like really random subjects that I just have no interest in checking a book out from the library or like Googling mm-hmm. you, you learn about, but in a way that's still a story. I and so I feel like, we were saying the Netflix documentaries are good and they're good because they're the ones that I think have this story arc. And I think Dear Zachary is a really good example of it. And I think that the reason that I like documentaries is the way that the Dear Zachary uh, like story, I guess, played yeah. out really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we step up? Yeah. What, so Jack, you brought this one to the yeah. table. What, without spoiling any major, um, I mean, you know, events. Things might get spoiled in the, <laughs> I in feel the conversation. Like to fully have the conversation, yeah. you need to spoil it. But I feel like there's certain things you could say that, like, for example, was in the trailer of Dear Zachary that yeah. won't necessarily spoil it. You but know? I okay. think to talk about the full impact of the. Yeah. I, we put a spoiler warning on, and we're okay, talking. Okay. It's, uh, if, just well, know that if you haven't seen it and you care to see it, Things Why don't you set the scene sure. and then say, now I'm going to spoil it. So okay. if you seem interested before he says, yeah. now I'm going to spoil it, you can not watch, or not listen. Yeah. So the, the basic scene is that a man is creating a documentary for Zachary and he's creating it about Zachary's father. What happens pretty early on, I don't think this is a major spoiler, yeah. Zachary's father, Andrew, dies. So the whole premise of this documentary is that... Um, Kurt, who films it, he's creating this documentary to show Zachary what his father was like. And I, you definitely get the impact. His father was a larger-than-life person, impacted so many people. Well-loved. Um, Well-loved. And that's if, you, if that seems interesting to you and that alone is interesting, you should watch it because it goes 180 degrees into every other direction possible. That is very true. Yeah. After about an hour or so, it just goes off the rails. Um, the one thing that I wanted, and I, so I've seen this before and I knew it was coming and I kept track of my cry count and my almost cry <laughs> count. My almost cry count was seven when like tears were in my eyes went away. My full cry count was five. That's high. <laughs> so, wow. I cried. Yeah. This, wow. I, and I'm an easy crier, but I, I after the third time, I almost cried. I was like, I got to keep track of this. <laughs> and I, I wrote down the moments that made me cry, too. Wait, okay. So should we say spoilers so we can really talk about it? Yeah. I think he, from here on, I think. We're going to get into We're going to get into Some it. more. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, okay. So should I say what happened? Yeah. Sure. Spoiler? Yeah. Okay. So. So I, I think that part of the genius of this movie, of this documentary, is that there's sort of two storylines. There becomes to be two storylines, like Jack was saying, about an hour in. So the whole thing with profiling Andrew's life and his friends and everyone who loved him continues throughout the movie. But you sort of learn more about Zachary and his mother and grandparents. And what ends up happening is that 
um, the the mother of Zachary is the person who killed Andrew, and that's mm-hmm. sort of undisputed. But she goes to Canada and it's basically um, hiding from uh, being prosecuted in the U.S. And she is pregnant with Andrew's child when he is killed, who is Zachary, and she has Zachary and Andrew's parents. Andrew is their only child. Um, moved to Canada to fight for custody of Zachary. And it's sort of a standard ugly custody battle. They hire lawyers, they dip into the retirement savings, and they're really committed to this um, and to getting custody of Zachary because they understand who the mother is and what she did to their son. And so obviously they want to protect Zachary. Um, and what ends up happening in the end of the movie is that she strings them along, um, manipulates them, is out on bail, even though she's charged with murder, and she ends up killing herself and Zachary. Um, and the end of the movie um, is sort of the grandparents talking about what they've done since, and they've changed laws in Canada, and they have have a lot of funding and support groups for families of um, victims of violent offenses. And so they've really taken the whole thing and run with it, but um, the interviews with the grandparents are, are or Andrew's parents are, uh, very intimate mm-hmm. and um, it's just they are so brave. It just yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's ahead, just yeah. so I feel like it was so devastating and just so sad. And I feel like even as the viewer, you would not expect that that no. was going to happen yeah. and like yeah. those events would play out in the way that they did. And it's just like one of the major themes is just like how there's so many people and systems and like government agencies that failed Zachary. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, and you see the wreckage that that leaves behind. It's like, I think it sounds very similar to the U S foster care system and how these custody battles can play out in the U S like it wouldn't shock me if this thing, if this whole event happened in the United States. And I think that it's so illuminating because foster kids just seem sort of like, faceless in the system and they're just like you don't know who they are and all this stuff and you see the devastation of a a malfunctioning criminal system and also the family system like the end of the movie is a lot of the grandparents talking about how they were never background checked when they got cut so they were started to be able to see Zachary like two days a week and nobody came you know and and when they left California you know they got like police background reports I had affidavits from their neighbors and things and and nobody came and checked who they were mm-hmm. like they could have just as equally been crazy um mentally ill uh, like and have all these problems that the the mother had mm-hmm. so and that's the other thing shirley's the mother's problems movies yeah uh, shirley's problems zachary's mother were well documented right. and it it's it was just this total breakdown of no one talking to each other everyone staying in their own lane the police and the prosecutors and the um, the uh, social or psychologist the social, or someone. The, psych, the psychologist yeah. was off the road. There was no check on this on Shirley, who was very mentally unwell, and not to excuse what she did because what she did was horrendous. But she should not have even been able to do that. She should have been separated from from her her child because she was at such a danger. And there were a lot of points. Her she threatened several men. Um, with suicide and with uh, and ultimately when she killed herself and Zachary, she f- tried to frame the latest guy who rebuffed her. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you can also just see it sort of break down. Like she, you know, obviously we don't know why she 
killed Zachary, but she's get like these, the grandparents, Andrew's parents will not be manipulated. And Mm -hmm. I think that that gets under her skin. And I don't know if that's why she decided to do the ultimate act that she did, but I mean, I feel like we could talk about Shirley Turner all day, but we should also talk about the grandparents because they are just incredible people. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think documentaries are so profound because this is such a personal story and they're putting all their self-blame, all their, like, the financial shit uh, stuff, excuse mm-hmm. me, of what they paid for um, all this, like, it is just so personal and I don't, I don't know, I guess they believe, I know they believe in, in making sure this doesn't happen to anybody else, yeah. but I, I and that that's the power of a documentary. Like you mm-hmm. could make you could have actors do all this, but it just wouldn't be the same. And this is plays like a movie, yeah. you know. So I have uh, two quotes that I think best sum up the grandparents. Um, the one is during Andrew's memorial, so this is before any of the things with Zachary have really happened. And one of uh, I I don't remember who, but what, someone said, "We grew up under your house." And then they continued said, "You still have children." To Andrew's parents. And Zachary's grandparents and just got across the message that not only Andrew impacted all these people and we talked about that, but his parents played this huge role in setting him up to have this, this huge life where he, Andrew got to touch all these people and and make all these connections. And Andrew's parents were right there along with him. They started, Andrew was in childhood movies with his friend um, who filmed this, who filmed the uh, director of the documentary, Kurt. And so are Andrew's parents. Eventually they got into it and you see them acting. They fully not only supported their child, but supported everyone that they're supported everyone else that their child loved um, and all his friends. And uh, the other uh, quote, um, this was said to Zachary and and, uh, it's said before we find out that he dies, but the man says, um, Zachary, you're a lucky little boy, but you're an unfortunate little boy. And he says why he's unfortunate because obviously his father's dead, but he says, uh, you're a lucky little boy because your grandparents did the most amazing job and you couldn't ask for two better people to say that. And this is, this was one of um, Andrew, Andrew was a doctor and is one of his colleagues at the hospital. So he didn't know him for an especially long mm-hmm. time, but the way that Andrew's parents were just completely accepted into not only the hospital community, but later the um, mm-hmm. St. John's Newfoundland community they were accepted in these communities so quickly, and I think it just showed the kind of people they were, that even in tragedy, they were people you wanted to be around. You wanted to help them, and you accepted them as your family. So that, that I think, is the easiest way to get across what these two people were. Um, are. Are. I think yeah, yes. Are, I did look them up. Yeah. Are they still alive? Yeah, they're still alive. Um, and for follow-up, they passed the law that they were lobbying, got right. passed... I think in 2012, it got passed a couple years after. Um, and they've since moved out of Canada. They moved back to California. There's an article from, I think, last year. Um, he wrote a book, too. He wrote a book. He wrote a yeah. memoir, um, Dancing with the Devil, yes. <laughs> which is a great name for his situation. What they had to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they. I mean, in the article, they, they're still obviously sad. But I think, you know, with all grief, it's not that it gets easier, but um, – it just gets different and it, it hurts less day to day. Um, but David, who's the grandfather, um, he said about, oh man, what was the mother, the grandmother's name? Kate, Kate. Kate thank you. Um, 
he it's easier for him to deal with it. And he took on a bigger role in the activism mm -hmm. pretty soon after the documentary because she had a tougher time handling it. So um, he's the one that any interviews or anything, he handles that. Um, and they've moved on to some aspect as much as you can move on. Um, I guess I wouldn't call it moving on. I'd say moving forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're still alive. They're still physically well. They're probably like still involved in child welfare in California. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And I just think that this is so representative because I'm just not sure that the same conversation would happen if it was a movie. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I mean, there's something about Kate and David, the grandparents, that is just captured. Mm -hmm. And Andrew, for that matter, too. Like Jack was saying about his friend. By interviewing the friends, you capture so much about Andrew. And then, you, you I mean, everybody should watch it to see what we're talking about, the grandparents. It's really hard to yeah. communicate. And I don't know that actors could have. Yeah. And I think, like, just in a more abstract form, that's, like, the power of documentaries yeah. is, like, the able to communicate real-life stories and real-life feelings mm -hmm. and... Um, that could kind of like segue us into another pretty popular documentary, which mm -hmm. was Blackfish. Mm -hmm. I also watched that last night. It's great. Um, it's one that I've seen like probably four or five times. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. great. And I mean, that one had major repercussions yeah. for SeaWorld. Yeah. And as a Floridian, someone who had like the Florida discount before <laughs> we, we knew all about all of yeah. this, like I've been to SeaWorld so many times yeah. and it's, so, you know, it's, it's, I, th I think that it's just crazy. Um, I think Blackfish is cool too, because like Kelsey said, it has the repercussions after, but also when you're watching it, you realize how much work it's investigative journalism kind of. I was going to say that. Yeah. 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 How much work goes into making that documentary so good when, you know, they go out to the Isle Canary Islands mm -hmm. or whatever. It's Tenerife. Yeah. Yeah. Tenerife. And track down all these people. I mean, that is work and especially because I, I know I've read a lot of the background of Blackfish too and SeaWorld got wind of what was happening mm -hmm. and so um documents were missing they hired attorneys and all that and these people worked and, yeah. and I mean you they they had on their side the ex-employees mm -hmm. um which I imagine was also helpful and also from a publicity standpoint but yeah I mean I guess Blackfish is more unique in the way that it has had um, effects after the movie mm -hmm. came out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as far as like the investigative journalism, it's, it was created, I think, believe by CNN films. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense in why they were able to and like get all these yeah. people. Yeah. But I think, cause I thought the same thing about Dear Zachary and I thought it about 13th, which if we have time, we'll discuss today too. They all, and I, I mean, honestly, any great documentary to me has an aspect of investigative journalism. It doesn't have to be Blackfish is so, like, they're really digging. Uh, yeah. But even if it's, you know, um, just interviewing people about how a person is or you're talking about how the 13th Amendment has continued to enslave people in different forms, you're investigating maybe not a as deep of a topic, but you're investigating these topics. And it might be easier to find this stuff, but any documentary that I think focuses on interviews, you get I, how I think the best approaches are is you're approaching it like an investigative journalism piece where you're thinking, I want to get out and it's not necessarily bad. You're not always trying to get out bad information, but how can I get out what is going to make this a good piece of film mm -hmm. from these, the, from these subjects? What subjects do I need and what do I need them to say to advance this story? 
And I think sometimes that can result in the story not going where you think it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think great documentary filmmakers go with that. And you explore like, okay, I thought we were, it's almost like the scientific method, right? I thought we were going to get A, I'm actually getting B, let's find out why I'm getting B and then come out to some, you know, yeah. conclusion. I mean, I definitely think that it, I, I've seen such a wide ver- like variety yeah. of documentaries, but I would say like a great umbrella kind of theme is like the investigative journalism. Um, but then I've also seen, and Emily and I were talking about this last night, um, what happened miss simone yeah mm-hmm. where it's that's more of a like a, it's okay. a biopic okay so it's it's so and it's invest it's investigating her life and like right. what happened to her and it goes through like her mental illnesses and her creativity and like the civil rights movement and just like those difficulties interlapping and intersecting but then if you look at dear zachary too that's kind of like a tribute you know, um, but in a way, they're still like using these interviews as tools yeah. to like investigate like themes mm-hmm. within the documentary. So I find yeah. that really fascinating. Well, I think Blackfish is a, a little bit different than a lot of documentaries because they knew what the story was. That's a good they, point. They yeah. sort of like knew the end point. Yeah. And in Dear Zachary, that was the opposite. He yeah. thought he was making a movie for a baby that was going to grow up and mm-hmm. be a man and watch us over and over again and know his father in that way. And that the opposite ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And I think in black, I mean, Don Brad Bradshaw had already died. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and that I think was the trigger for the yeah. movie. So they knew something was going on. Maybe right, they didn't right. know like all of that stuff. The trainers mm-hmm. ended up, I'm sure they didn't know all the stuff the trainers ended up telling them, but they, I think, sort of had the... I mean, the yeah. movie culminates in her being pulled in by yeah. Ponytail. There's a lot of spoilers for Blackfish, too, but <laughs> yeah. hopefully everyone's seen it. That's been around the scene for a it's while. It's been on yeah. the scene for a yeah. long time. Um, and with Blackfish, um, I was doing also a little bit of research last night about that, and from what I saw, um, the trainers are not are now not... I think they said this at the end of the film, though, that the trainers are now not allowed to be in the water with the yeah. with the animals. Yeah. Um, but then I also heard that they're retiring their orca program. Uh-huh. So by 2019... Yeah, so they're I, phasing them out. Yeah, yeah. So I guess by the end of this year, SeaWorld is going to have some, like, mm-hmm. you know, real big changes um, and, like, change their shows. Um maybe change their tanks and stuff yeah. probably. Yeah. The story from Blackfish, even though it's about orcas, the one that got to me the most was the story from Flipper's trainer. Do you remember that? Is this the one with the foot that takes him up and down? No. That's the one. That, that, yeah, that's that a good one too. That freaks me now, out. Yeah. So Flipper was a really famous dolphin. Mm-hmm. And her trainer talks about how Flipper uh, suffocated herself by – drowned herself, I guess. Because mm-hmm. – um, marine mammals can do that they just go to the bottom and don't come up and they never get air um and that's what flipper did in her trainer's arms and her trainer was someone who to the extent that that animal could love someone who is partly her captor did um even though the trainer i think was high like it's not like he himself was keeping her captive but died just flipper decided to die in her arms i think the next and that's like i said flipper's a dolphin as long as these places still have dolphins in these animals have a brain where they not to, you know, insult 
other animals with smaller brains, <laughs> but they have a brain to the extent that they know that they cannot be held captive. And I think even fish, I'm sure, understand it to some extent, but you can make those fishes, sorry, those tanks large enough for fish to, I think, get the semblance of, of yeah. their normal life. Dolphins and orcas, you can't. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs to be the next wave is um, taking, phasing out these dolphin programs. And I think we've learned a lot about dolphin intelligence recently. That, they're one of the animals I'm most passionate about because when they've studied their brain, you know how they have those times and you can uh, swim with the dolphins. Mm -hmm. They've done brain scans of dolphins after, and those events are traumatizing to them. They're great for people. People right. love them. Not but traumatizing people. They're traumatizing yeah. because they're being forced into a, into being touched by people they don't want to. People they don't. Not, not even, natural. And when I say people, it's not like it's another person. It's not like when I touch Kelsey, that could be traumatic in a whole another way. Mm -hmm. But it's a different species coming into your space and touching you. It's it's completely traumatizing to yeah. them. So. I think the genius of Blackfish is two things that Jack reminded me of. The first is that we would never be talking about this and dolphin brains if you hadn't watched the movie. It's Definitely. just like, yeah. I mean, I knew as a kid, you know, whales and dolphins are really smart, but this movie contextualizes it and also mm -hmm. shows you that like people pay money, didn't know, but we're paying money to sort of be privy to the abuse of those animals. And so I think just in the, in, and same with Zachary's story, right? Like mm -hmm. we are talking about child welfare laws on a podcast in a law school building because of that documentary mm -hmm. talking about the brains of orcas and dolphins on a podcast in a law school because of that movie. And I, and I think the other genius thing that blackfish does is that you watch that movie and you can think whatever you want, that SeaWorld should still be able to have the animals or whatever, but you, I would be hard pressed to find somebody who could say that, Oh, those, those whales don't know that they're in captivity right. and that they're not extremely intelligent. And one of the, I think there's a lot of examples of it throughout the movie, but there is one part where this orca gets pissed off and grabs its trainer by the foot. And that orca brings the trainer down and is drowning him. And just for the amount of time, just when he's about to pass out under the water, brings him back up. And so that is a multi-level aspect of torture mm -hmm that this orca is imposing on a human. And I mm -hmm. think that that is a level of intelligence and social intelligence that is extremely striking yeah. and doesn't fall. Like here's the fish bucket. You know, they try to get like the orca to drop the foot and at first here's a fish bucket and bucket and isn't buying it. And I forget how they got him to release. I think he eventually just yeah, lets go and they kind of, catch a net and he swims over right. the net but even the orca swims over the net right. mm -hmm. and but he does eventually let the yeah, I think he go. lets go but he like doesn't buy the, like they're playing yeah. the reward sound to come get a fish and mm -hmm. like all that stuff but he almost drowns this man by going up and down bringing him to passing out more oxygen and one I would just never know that level of intelligence that orcas have and also you know communicates a lot about how disturbing it is that a human was in that situation mm -hmm. um and I also think what yeah. the thing that stuck out to me is that there have been zero recorded fatal human fatalities through an orca in the wild. Right. An orca that we know has never killed a person. Every fatality is happening in captivity. And right. you can look at the population numbers of those in the wild and those in captivity. It just shows that the, these aren't. I mean, are they violent animals in the sense that they hunt their predators? Yeah, but they're not 
violent to people. Yeah. If, if they, yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And I think what's so, what was really disgusting about the whole thing too, is like the lies that they feed oh. everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's the whole yeah. other level what, of what, the movie. What, Cause the, you know, the sea world workers tell you, Oh, they only live to about like 35 <laughs> years in the wild. And the kids are like, yeah. 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 And, and here they live about like, you know, t- like 24 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they actually live longer here because we have, we take care of them. And then yeah, that's on staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's not true. Like they live, like female orcas live to be about 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like false. Yeah. I mean, and then what they say too about the, the male fl- fins flip yeah. out flap in captivity, which makes them just look, you just can tell it's not natural. It makes them yeah. like look kind of sick. Yeah. And they tell people that. They tell visitors, you know, kids will be like, oh, why is his fin not up all the way? Uh-huh. And they'll just be like, oh, it just happens sometimes. Yeah. And like Jack said, in, in the wild, it never, happens. never, it happens. never happens. It's yeah. like, you know, 0.5%. And I think it's like half of males yeah. in the captivity have the flipped fin. And yeah. it's probably just like a depression, mm-hmm. lack of nutrient. I don't know. But yeah, it's from gross. captivity. Yeah. So. And it seems, I, I think one of the best kind of like links that they made um, in the movie is imagine I think someone said imagine living in a bathtub like your whole life or and then all all I thought about when um Tillicum was at mm-hmm. sea land yeah it, the other uh, one yeah the yeah. other one not sea world he was they were in a 20 foot by 30 deep um literally like concrete yeah yeah you know Enclosure. Enclosure, yeah. yeah. And that's like solitary confinement. Oh, my God. Like, the psychosis of those, like, they must have had severe trauma, severe, like, psychosis. Okay, so it seems like we're running out of time. There's so so much conversation we could have about all these documentaries and all these different movies. I think we should maybe have a part two on this topic. Um, And... During the part two, we can maybe talk about 13th. And we'll um, find another one. Find another I like yeah. what, what happened to, Aunt, to Aunt Diane. Something's happened to Aunt Diane. Okay. Or what happened to Aunt Diane is mm. a good one. I think really a, disturbing. A, another good one, too. I've never seen that one. It's, but another good one, too, um, is maybe if we could do, like, a health dietary one. Oh, like, yeah. what the health. Because I think we've done, like, the disturbing, like, you know, what happened experience. to Zachary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Dear Zachary. And then... We've done, like, the animal kind... Like, there's, like, those themes mm-hmm. that I think a lot of, like, film documentary makers yeah. kind of encapsulate. There's a lot of, like, race ones, so I think doing the 13th yeah. one would be great. And then doing, like, a dietary one and maybe another one would I be I might send too. you guys ep- uh, episodes of this uh, British man called, uh, named Louis Thoreau who came to America and did these shows where he would just, like, put himself in these insane situations um, and just film... Okay. Like, I, I'll, I'll I'll send you I'll send you. He doesn't want to spoil too much. I'm he does so many different topics. Like he went to and just to see what people around him do. What I mean, he would like, for example, he went to uh, like the worst neighborhood in Milwaukee just to see what it was like, and he was shot at and stuff. Like, well, he's he lives with a family there for a little bit, uh-huh. and some crazy stuff happened. And I think he did a whole thing on the prison system. He's just done a lot of uh, a lot of. He puts himself in harm's way. And he's the most, he's, he's like John Oliver, but okay. like a, an actual reporter, no offense to John Oliver, <laughs> but he's, <laughs> like imagine him, the- he kind of looks like him. He's the same kind of guy oh, and he okay. just goes down in these situations. So I might send you episodes of him okay. to watch if okay. I can find any, but anyway, that's just another So example. yeah, we could definitely, there's a lot. Yeah. A lot. We're going to have to do a part two on this. Um, 
But real quick, I think a good little exit mm. is based on all the documentaries you've seen, what has affected you the most slash mm. what's your favorite? If, if there's, if they're the same. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's still dear Zachary, even watching it the second time, it's like, you see the punch coming and it still hits you in the gut so hard that, uh, it's hard to recover from. It's, I think it's so impactful. And specifically when, um, for me, the biggest moment was when Kate Zachary's grandmother I know what you're say. is, uh, do you, where, when she talks about taking Zachary to the, to the, um, crematorium. Yep. Yeah. And how she regretted not seeing Andrew all the way to the oven and how she needed to do that for Zachary. I that's yeah. just like and um David her husband even says like this is what Karen did. Mm-hmm. Maybe she knew it, maybe she didn't, but this is what oh, she Shirley? left behind. Shirley, I'm sorry. Karen. <laughs> I I, oh my god. Karen. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I don't know why. I don't even know who Karen is. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> Somewhere out there. It's so funny because I, when I watched it, I wanted to cry so badly and I didn't. Mm. And the only reason why I didn't is because I was about to go to sleep and I didn't want my eyes to be popping (laughs) when I woke up in the morning. But it's that devastatingly sad that I, like, I really could, like, cry about it if I thought about it long enough. Well, and the, but the grandparents have an astounding amount of composure talking Mm -hmm. about it. They're not very emotional. Yeah. All things considered, and it's probably because they were sort of already involved in some activism and had yeah. talked about it publicly. I'm sure had talked about it publicly before, but they are they hold it together for mm-hmm. 95% of the film. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. I think Kate has one breakdown, yeah, which I think she has two, and it, it's when mm-hmm. they're talking about Andrew's death, yeah, before and, Zachary has yeah. died, yeah, and then, then again yeah. when they, yeah. yeah, and and then David, Dave has. Like that one kind of like outburst. Yeah, yeah his when, anger. When she's yeah. really when and she starts crying, yeah, loses it's it. So yeah. crazy when like how they both like exhibit their pain. Like his oh, yeah. was like anger, and hers was like just like a meltdown of yeah. like tears. Sorrow, yeah. And him calmly talking about the best way out of this would be for me. That's what I thought you were gonna say at first. That, that's really yeah. When David mm-hmm. talks about the best way for to get Zachary out of the situation is for for me to kill Shirley, and don't implicate her in any way. Not tell her. Not tell her. Leave. Make sure she's asleep when I do it. But kill her. See if I get away with it. And if I don't, well, at least Zachary's with his grandmother. And he says yeah. in retrospect. They're so rational. Yeah. He says in retrospect, he's like, that, that probably would have been the best option. And the, they, they interview a pastor that they went to in Canada. And he says, there's a certain logic to it. When you have a man of God who's saying there's a certain logic to that thinking, that just gives you the depth of what they're going through. Right. So I went on a whole nother tangent there. See, we could talk about your Zachary <laughs> literally for the whole episode. So um, what's your um, favorite, if you could think of one, even one we haven't talked about? Okay, I'm going to try to think of one we haven't talked about. Um, I should have, like, re-looked at what I've... Here, I'll go in the meantime yeah. then while Let you're think thinking. Yeah, I would say... And maybe this might change also in our next episode because I am continuing to watch them um, and continuously am impacted. Dear Zachary really, really did impact me. But I would say... I would say... 
Uh, you know what? I might say Dear Zachary. Wow. It's a tie between Dear Zachary and 13th. Mm-hmm. I think the only reason why I'm not saying 13th is because this is all information I kind of already knew yeah. <laughs> yeah. based on like, you know, I took a lot of criminology classes in undergrad and like, it's just something that interests me. Um, but I think what's particularly interesting about 13th is because it's a look at the 13th Amendment and privatized prisons. And it kind of gives you that insider look that, mm-hmm. like, you otherwise wouldn't get, like, from a textbook or from, like, a class. Yeah. So, but, I mean, what truly affected me and made me want to cry and I was, like, actually devastated was Dear Zachary. I mean, it's just so upsetting. And then... um but 13th was just like, this is so big, you know? And it's like, mm. like it's bigger than me. It's bigger than like all of us. I don't, it's one of those cases where you feel hopeless after you watch the documentary. Um, but you could watch 13th on Netflix and you could watch Dear Zachary on YouTube. Mm-hmm. With Russian captions. <laughs> there is one with no Russian oh, captions, really? but it's Dear Zachary in Spanish is the title of it. But it's in English. But it's in English. Oh, but, it says in <laughs> but the title of the okay. YouTube video is in Spanish. Is that it's in Spanish? If you search Dear Zachary Where to Watch, you'll get it. It's okay. Like, it's just somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I love that it's on YouTube. I think that is a real testament to why he made it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So what about All right, you? so I'm also going to say a one scene from Dear Zachary because you both did. But I think the documentary that I would bring up that we didn't talk about is called The Family. And it's on Netflix and it's actually formatted more like a TV show. I think there's mm. six parts of it. And it's, every, you sh- everyone should watch it. And it's about power and government and money and old boys clubs and things that similar to 13 that you know are sort of the undertones of what is going on in national politics in DC and judge appointments and, um, uh, you know, even stuff that the president is involved in. Um, But it's sort of this inside uh, look at men who are tapped to be in the upper echelon of DC society and how they impact politics. And it functions like a frat and there's a religious aspect to it. Um, And that movie is really interesting because one, these men talk about who've sort of left the family. have talked about how it's ruined their personal lives, ruined their financial lives and all of that. But then there's this whole other layer to it of sort of the tax fraud and um, other fraud that the family is involved in and the nestling of nonprofit um, organizations. And it sounds complicated and and sort of larger than you. And like, why does this affect me? But the movie does a good job of um, showing how basically they were this, this powerful cohort of men is in, it has, um, had the ear of every sitting president, I think, since Jimmy Carter, um, maybe before. And it, it's just creepy, especially if you're sort of close to the college experience and, like, know what a frat um, mentality and all these men who are sort of finding themselves living together can do. It It, it goes – it's confusing to explain because it goes a lot of different directions. Um, but I think that's the one that has most – I've watched a lot of documentaries, but that's the one that I was the most recently – I am thinking about. Yeah, I saw that actually um, this summer. I didn't see the, I didn't watch it, but I saw the trailer for it. Oh, it's, and I was like, oh my God. I mean, it's a set, it essentially looks like, like an Illuminati yeah. type of like, it you is. know, yeah. t- you yeah. know, kind well, of Well, they're show, the people but, who 
pay for and plan the national prayer breakfast, mm. which ignorant me, I thought that was through the president. Oh, okay. And so once you start to dismantle all these things, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the time that we have today, but we'll definitely talk yeah. about this um, a little part two. A little part two. Yeah. Soon. So bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. bye.